Time for Grace to the Bay with Dr. Roger Chen. Dr. Chen is the pastor at Grace Church of the Bay Area, a church committed to glorifying the Lord Jesus Christ through verse-by-verse expository preaching to learn exactly what God has revealed in His Word. Now, here's Dr. Chen with today's message. This morning we have sung several songs that speak to the incredible power and wisdom of God. To see who He is and to see His saving message in His Scriptures, the ancient words, immortal, invisible, God only wise. This is an issue that we have faced throughout the ages, even long before any of us were alive. Even in Paul's day, even in the Old Testament, we see testament to the fact that the world does not understand. The world is blinded. The world in its own wisdom and its pursuit of self-glorification sees the true matter of God and the means of salvation as foolishness. We see this in the passage we've been studying in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18-25, through 25, which I'll read for you now. For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the cleverness of the clever I will set aside. Where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God, God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For indeed, Jews ask for signs and Greeks search for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, to Jews a stumbling block, and to Gentiles foolishness. But to those who are the called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. We have been looking at six superiorities of the wisdom of God, and by way of review, last week we saw the first two. The first was the wisdom of God divides mankind. It divides mankind. We saw this in verse 18, for the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. That's one side of the divide. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And that is the other side. The dichotomy between those who are perishing and those who are being saved exists because of a divide that was created by the cross. All men, all of mankind, past, present, and future, fall into one of these two categories. There is no third category. But before you look at the cross or you look at God's plan and you blame Him and say, well, you made the divide. The cross is responsible for the divide. You've split us in half. Before we start thinking along those lines, you need to understand that without the cross, Indeed, there would be no divide because there would only be one category and that category would be condemned. The divide is a good thing because Christ has made one category, all men fall short of the glory of God, into two and has given hope and salvation, grace and mercy in the cross. It's true that the unbeliever cannot grasp the reality of the gospel without the help of the Holy Spirit. But Paul makes a contextual point in this passage in that the cross, the centerpiece of the gospel, was foolish to the minds of the day in the Roman Empire because the cross, the actual physical cross, 
the instrument of torture and punishment was that which represented embarrassment, failure, and defeat. The cross was high. The cross was public. It allowed for people, even unbeknownst to them, wanting to just walk to their home or on their travels to walk by these people who were crucified along the road. Crowds would gather. And even as we saw in Jesus, this was special. This was unique because of who He was. But the manner of what happened was not unique. It was typical for crowds to gather, to jeer, to laugh, to spit, to mock. It was a public embarrassment for criminals. And that's why in the context... It's foolishness to the men who rely on their worldly wisdom. The Romans, the Jews, the philosophers, whoever it may have been. This, this is who you thought would overthrow Caesar. This is who you see as victory. This is who you pray to. Foolishness, they say. Yet, On the other side of the divide, Christians upheld the cross as the source and symbol of victory and power, and we still do today, because it is in the cross that Christ overcame sin and death. Whether it's today, uh, whether you come, uh, whether you're immigrated or even visiting in this time from a a communist country, a oppressive system, Or perhaps you can think of someone who lived uh, as someone who was conquered by the Roman Empire. The desire you would have for that dictator, for that oppressive government to be overthrown. I think we would all agree that victory over these things pales in comparison to victory over sin and death once and for all forevermore. And so the cross, though seemingly foolish to be lifted up as a symbol of victory, indeed was a symbol of victory and power. We saw a second superiority of the wisdom of God last week, and that is the wisdom of God denigrates worldly wisdom. Verses 19 and 20, Paul quotes Isaiah, For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the cleverness of the clever I will set aside. Where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? And to summarize by mentioning various individuals within spheres of worldly wisdom, Paul tells us that God's wisdom has made fools of even the greatest philosophers, the greatest teachers, the greatest experts of the world that world, and our world today. This morning we come to the final four superiorities of the wisdom of God. Our third is the wisdom of God delivers repentant sinners. The wisdom of God delivers repentant sinners. Let me read for you again verse 21. For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God, God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. The primary reason man's wisdom is inferior to God's is because through such wisdom, through their wisdom, they could not gain salvation. 
They couldn't earn it. They couldn't achieve it. There is no way man, whether through good works or human wisdom, can reach God on his own. And this is really the main point of what Paul is talking about here in this entire passage and the passages before it and after it. And it's not that man hasn't tried. The, pr- the plethora of religions that we see around the world and even in history, religions that have come and gone, is proof not only of the attempts of man to get right with God, but also the desire of man to do so. Romans chapter 1 rings true. Through our consciences and the natural world around us, which we see and experience, man knows there is a higher power. And for the most part, they want to know this being. They want to achieve heaven. They want to get there. They want to avoid judgment from whatever God they think is God. That's not the problem. The problem is when man wants to get to heaven on his own terms in his own way. Thousands of religions, thousands of religions, both established world religions and localized cults have been founded throughout the history of man. All of them attesting to the belief in a supreme being, be it Zeus or Allah, the great Brahma, the great spirit, mother nature, whatever it may be, there is an understanding that God has given people in their consciences and in creation, there must be a greater creator. And in bypassing the lordship of Christ, they look for their own way. And so they come up with all of these different religions. And not only do none of them provide a way to a relationship with the true God, they don't even recognize who he is. This is the wisdom of man. All of these man-made religions can be summarized like this. Make the God or gods happy and you will get to heaven. Be good enough. Make him happy. Appease him. And you will reach paradise, nirvana, the great spaceship in the sky, whatever it may be. And ultimately, the reason man's wisdom fails to achieve true salvation and subsequent entrance into heaven through the appeasement of God is because the best and most logical method that man's religion can come up with is works. Not the works of Christ, but our own works. We call salvation by works or works righteousness, and it will fall short. No matter how good you are, better than the next guy, best in the world, you fall short. It's like trying to jump from here to Hawaii stand there on the beach in the Pacific Ocean. One guy jumps a foot, another guy jumps two feet, one guy jumps 20 feet. Still not even close. doesn't matter if you're the best in the world. And they seek in man's wisdom and their own wisdom and their failure to, to understand in comparison for us, not for Christ, but for us, the easy way to the true God. They fail and they, and they seek works. They, they seek miracles. They, they seek special anointings and, and holy water and, and, and blessings from different priests or animals or 
stars in the sky. In 2012, by way of example, in Mumbai, India, the Catholic Church named the Church of Our Lady of Velikanai a supposed miracle, as they often claim to occur. A supposed miracle happened there. As with most Catholic churches, they had the depiction, the, cruci- the, the cross up there with Jesus still on the cross, the crucified Messiah. And what they noticed on this large statue was that right about here there was water trickling and dripping down off of the toes of Jesus. It's a miracle, they said. They are the tears of our Savior. So, some of them lining up would come and they would let the water drip into their mouths to drink of the holy water to somehow be blessed, to somehow be better. Others, of course, would come and collect it and either drink it later or sprinkle it on different things in their homes. There's someone who came and didn't believe in miracles, and so he did an investigation. And he found that the water was, as you would guess, not the tears of Jesus, not a miracle, but water that was coming from a clogged pipe behind the wall. And so the water was spilling over through the wall behind the Jesus and onto his body and, of course, dripping down on the lowest point. That pipe connected to a clogged toilet. The miraculous holy water that people were drinking was actually, well, you get the point. This is man's wisdom. This is what we can come up with. And we chuckle, it's funny, but this is what we would come up with. This is, if someone told you there's heaven and hell and didn't tell you the gospel and you were scared of going to hell, this is what you would come up with. Pilgrimage to Israel. Pilgrimage to Rome. Sit under the Pope rub or or throw your rosaries as I have seen on the graves under the Vatican, under St. Peter's of on the graves of the dead popes. This is what we come up with. And it makes sense from a human perspective. I mean, aren't we told this in, in everything? Study hard, kids. Get good grades. Work hard to achieve. Uh, You're not going to get the promotion with that attitude. Work hard and achieve. So if it works in school, if it works for our parents, if it works for our bosses, if it works for the government, if it works for the police, doesn't it make sense to work for God? Yes, it does. And it's biblical. The only problem is your works aren't enough. It's only in the perfect sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ, His perfect life and the death that He paid on our behalf. And so, whether it's witnessing a so-called miracle or devoting your life to good works and trying to appease God, 
The day you die in that proverbial great scale of good works versus bad works in heaven, none of it can get anyone to God. And it's much worse than, than just reading a book on the different religions. It's more, as serious as it is, it's, it's more than just a, uh, what happened in 9-11 and people thinking they get to heaven by killing themselves in the war against the infidels. It's more than just literally drinking human feces. It's much worse. It's a lifelong pursuit, self-sacrifice, self-flagellation for some of these people, only to die and be condemned. This is man's wisdom. And that's why as Paul continues, he says, God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. The wisdom of God stands in antithetical opposition to the wisdom of the world. Man's wisdom is fallible. It is temporary. It is self-absorbed. You, you see this in, in, in science, right? There's always new developments. There's always new things being discovered. There's always mistakes. Some of you were alive in a time when doctors would smoke during your hospital visit because they didn't realize that that was bad. We're safe, we're healthy, we got it all, thousands with the coronavirus. Remember when you got the first iPhone? This is it. This is the height of technology. What are we at, number 11 now? It's always changing. This is even the experts, even the best, even the smartest. It is temporary. It is fallible. So much so that it looks at God's wisdom It looks at the church, it looks at us and goes, oh man, that's so foolish. Can you believe them? But it doesn't matter. God doesn't care. Isn't it wonderful that God does not capitulate to what man thinks? He's no respecter of man. He couldn't care less that people think his way is foolish. In fact, it says here in this verse, that it was in His wisdom that they considered it foolish. He was pleased to use this seeming foolishness to save those who believe it. We need the wisdom of God because to know Him is to know someone who is beyond the scope of human knowledge and ability. Job's friend Zophar said it well. Job eleven seven through 9 Can you discover the depths of God? Can you discover the limits of the Almighty? They are high as the heavens. What can you do? Deeper than Sheol, what can you know? Its measure is longer than the earth and broader than the sea. The message preached that Paul refers to here, of course, is the gospel and the belief that he mentions is not mere intellectual knowledge, but a total agreement and commitment to the gospel truth. All of it. Even in the sphere of human wisdom, with all our achievements and technological advancements, God and only God can save anyone unto himself. And despite this truth, man still tries to do it on his own terms. And that leads us to our fourth superiority of God's wisdom 
The wisdom of God displaces human pursuits. The wisdom of God displaces human pursuits. Verses 22 and 23. For indeed, Jews ask for signs and Greeks search for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to Jews a stumbling block and to Gentiles foolishness. In Paul's day, these two groups, the Jews and the Greeks, or the Gentiles, same group, Greeks and Gentiles, these two groups were prime examples of the pursuit of God through human wisdom. You could say they illustrate the basic idolatries of all of mankind even today. The Jews refused to trust God and they wanted proof. They wanted signs. And we see this in the Gospels when we read the accounts of Jesus' life and interactions with the Jewish leaders. They were asking for signs. One example among many is in Matthew 16.1. The Pharisees and Sadducees came to him and we read they were testing him. They wanted proof from him. How were they testing him? They asked for a sign from heaven. The irony is that these people, in studying the Old Testament Scriptures, they knew the wisdom of God as it was related to them in the Old Testament Scriptures. In other words, they knew what signs to look for. To be fair, it is true the Old Testament prophesied signs that would indicate who the Messiah was. Jesus, at that point in his life, had fulfilled enough of them to be clear that he is the Messiah, but they didn't believe it. It wasn't enough for them. In other words, God's wisdom as revealed in the Old Testament in His Word was not enough. They had to add their own wisdom. See, they, when they applied their own wisdom, they required their own signs. A sign from heaven. Not the signs of grace and mercy, but spectacles from heaven. They wanted irreputable proof. Make it rain right now. Send down Fire from heaven. We read the Scriptures. We know God could do this. If you really are the Son of God, do this. This is what they wanted. It wasn't enough that the Messiah proved Himself already to be the Messiah. They wanted more. See? God's wisdom was not enough. It was foolishness to them. They wanted proof. Then you had the Greeks. They searched for wisdom. And you know about the Greek, the ancient Greek culture. This was their ideal. For the ancient Greek, what wisdom was the be-all and end-all of life. For them, they set aside the word of the cross for that which would bring worldly success, worldly wisdom. For them, it was just being not just being a, a good philosopher or being admitted to one of the great schools of philosophy, but they wanted Human success, social success. They wanted success in the classroom, the courtroom, politics, trade, love, family. They wanted tangible results. They wanted a wisdom that would make them happier in this life. They sought a worldly wisdom that would result in the mastery of their days on earth. And for the, for the ancient Greek, the pursuit of learning was a national characteristic. And so it makes sense that they wanted a rational explanation of the universe and their own existence. They wanted principles, chains of reasoning, systems of philosophy. 
So on the one hand, you had those who wanted the miraculous and unexplainable as proof of the existence of God. And on the other hand, you have people who want to come to God through human logic and scientific rationale. This is still true of the world today. This is what people want if they are, in fact, seeking God at all. But it is the same thing. Isn't atheism or the rejection of any religion at all their arguments, at least the people who actually know what they're talking about, their arguments are all based on human logic, human wisdom, right? They, they, they attack specific parts of Scripture. They don't just say, there is no God. How can there be a God? Look at all the disease and famine. No, they say, let's break down six days of creation. And then they look at the science. And they, they look at the rotation of the earth and the sun and the moon. See, they use human reasoning. By the way, all this stuff, right? Science, medicine, technology. These are all gifts from God. But these are things that man uses to reject the very giver of those things. This has been Grace to the Bay with Dr. Roger Chen. Grace to the Bay is the radio ministry of Grace Church of the Bay Area, practicing and proclaiming the purity of biblical truth. You're invited to join them for worship service in Burlingame, Sundays at 11 a.m. Visit the website gracebayarea.org for directions and other information, or to view a live stream of the service. As a listener-supported program, we ask that you consider making a tax-deductible donation so that we can continue to share Pastor Roger's teaching with you each week. Donations can be made through our website, kfax.com.